Today, we are talking to Arnie Kin, the CEO of Vertical Measures. We brought Arnie in to bring marketing value to our CTOs, and we discuss his hub and spoke model to drive customers where you want them, the importance of looking active, and execution of a content strategy. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Before the Eye of the Tiger, I was watching your video on content marketing. Which one would that be? It was short. It was like six minutes and it was, you were giving some advice about different types, six types of content that someone oh, needs uh-huh. to be making. Gotcha. That's good stuff. <laughs> okay, good. Appreciate that. Do you find yourself giving advice a lot about what type of content to make? Oh, all the time. Yes. For years. <laughs> Is that your the core of your business? Yes. Uh, do you know anything about us? Or yeah, I know that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Give me the background so everyone else can learn. Uh, yeah. So our business, we're a digital marketing agency, and uh, we're we are sort of rebranding ourselves. We we uh, originally came about uh, twelve years ago as an SEO agency. Five six years ago, really focused on uh, content marketing. And now we're a much more holistic agency, about 50 full-time employees, and we do, do it all. So uh, we're, we're, I suppose, the quick descriptor is a full-service digital marketing agency. But we've been teaching uh, content marketing, have written a couple of books. We teach a lot of workshops. And so that goes all the way back to answering your question of, you know, do we have to explain this a lot? And, and, uh, and so that's why the answer is yes, and, and for quite a while. I always like having people on that know what they're talking about. And so uh, I always research who the people are and I re- consume some of their content because, you know, it's important sure. that we bring on quality people that give quality advice. For example, we had someone on the show <laughs> last week and this, we asked them what we said, you're a startup co-founder and you've got $10,000. It's you and another co-founder. You made this cool little app and now you need to go market it. How would you spend that $10,000? She goes, Oh, that budget's way too small. You'd spend like, you know, five, five, maybe 10. I don't know. Five is even really small to make one video and then the rest of it to push out, but you really couldn't do much with $10,000. And I, I was like, all right, we're not airing that piece of advice (laughs) (laughs) because that is horrible advice because I have made apps and I have subsequently had to market my own apps. I flip open my iPhone make 10 small videos, varying different types of content, run $100 at each video, see which one performs the best cost per install. There's inevitably one that's cheaper than all of them and then broadcast that one to the market. And like that cost my time and some money to test which ones work. And then I just use the rest of the $9,100 to push the video that works. Right. Uh, well, you know, and everybody has it. their... Uh their perspective, right? I, I don't know who this person is or what organization they were with. Uh, and so they might be used to way, way, way bigger budgets and not really understand the concept of bootstrapping a business. Um, yeah. and, and if 10,000 is your budget, then 10,000 is your budget and you got to make it work. So, uh, yeah. but I, I would tend to agree. I would not have spent it all on a video without any further plan. So, yeah. I think it's reasonable to say, that regardless of what your background is, if you own and operate a company that's a marketing company, you got 40 people, you made it that far, 
um, suggesting to a co-founder to spend half of their $10,000 budget to make a video is, is bad advice. Probably. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We do do a lot more with that, but we'll move on. Um, so yeah, I liked your, I liked your content. The, the one I, you went over different types of written content. You have one of those videos to talk about different types of video content. Uh, no, I don't think I do. And I will tell you that also because it's video at the moment is still, you know, being totally honest as an agency, it's still probably the thing I wish we would improve on the most. Uh, and then it kind of interesting. What you just said is a little bit of an internal debate even happening here. Um, uh, your comparison of the iPhone videos, quick iPhone videos and a five or $10,000 production video. And, uh, we have, uh, we have everything from a client perspective, and we're pretty good at producing the iPhone, uh, small green room interview style projects. Uh, but the ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars video shoot out in another location for two full days is not necessarily uh, what we do at all. Um, yet there's still this debate, you know, of well, we got to raise the bar, we got to get to that point. We gotta, you know, our clients are asking for that. So, and that's kind of why why I said what I said. You know how I responded to you about you know everybody has a different perspective, uh, but anyway, I don't think I have a video on that on that particular topic now. Not that I know. Yeah, well, we just took the science approach because you know that allowed us to put rockets into space, and we took the approach of well, let's just try a yeah. few things, I'm a big see what works, yeah. <laughs> and then let's just do more of what works. Yeah, uh, we try to emphasize two things: one is fail fast, uh, and uh-huh. the other thing is yeah, don't wait uh, for it to become perfect because if you do, you'll never publish anything. Which is another frustration with content marketing is depending, you know, it's one of the reasons we see people fail or at least not succeeding to the level they had hoped they would is it, it, it's, it's in the execution and part of execution is actually publishing the stuff uh, and not, not just waiting till you have something you think is the dream piece of content or a perfect piece of content, whether it's video or written or whatever it might be or audio, just like this one started. Are you guys doing any audio marketing? Uh, not too much. I, we don't run our own podcast. Um, I, I'm a guest on quite a few podcasts, so we tend to use that at the moment. Uh, but what, uh, where we're probably one of our actual strongest marketing things is we still do. And, and the reason I say still is we've been doing it for now, maybe eight or nine years in a row, but we do a monthly webinar. So that is recorded and then republished and they can follow a PowerPoint with it, but it's, it's primarily an audio and uh, it still uh, does really well for us. And what do you touch on in there? Uh, everything. Uh, we have uh, about uh, maybe half of the webinars we do throughout a year. So we do 12 in a year. Yeah, probably six of them uh, will have guests. And then uh, the other six would be uh, put on by internal folks. It's all digital marketing related. So we'll cover everything from you know, content to SEO to paid media, uh, conversion rate optimization, and so on. So you're, you're the CEO, right? Yeah. Yep. And so you grew this company from nothing to where it is today. Mm-hmm. We usually talk with CTOs. We're having you on specifically to bring value to some CTOs. We're going to ask you some questions later. Yeah. Um, but right now, I'm just really curious about you as a human. What, what was some of the struggles that you faced when growing your, your company? Um, all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and this this actually is uh, technically my fourth startup, uh, fourth business. Uh, the first one actually, I was pretty young, and it failed in about a year. And 
I learned a lot of lessons there. Um, this is, uh, so this is the third in a row that actually have worked. Uh, so yeah, we literally started, uh, it, it sold a previous business, uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do next, uh, moved back home, you know, moved home, home office with my wife. I was doing internet marketing, uh, for some friends and some business associates and, you know, had to set up an LLC. So I did called it vertical measures because we wanted to help people grow their business vertically and measure everything we do. And, uh, just started getting more and more and more business. So I, I've had the advantage of at least going through this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the difficult thing I think in, in our particular industry, and maybe you hear this from, from others that you talk to and certainly CTOs, uh, is that things are moving really fast. Um, yeah. You know, the way we were, well, the way we market 20 years ago compared to 10 years ago, uh, compared to today, it's just, it just, uh, every day there's something new to read and track from, you know, Google, Yahoo, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, the, uh, the display market, um, you know, and, and on and on. Uh, I mean, and I'm talking about daily. So it's a daily education process. There's no sitting in and resting on your laurels. So that's probably the biggest challenge. So what does it look like as far as like, if I were to look at a pie chart of the content you distribute, or you guys, you, you write articles, make videos, and then you run ads, and then you're going through some funnels to convert for your customers. Is that what you guys, is that what you guys do? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, in a perfect world, uh, we would start off with a, uh, creating a strategy for a client, and generally, we'll uh, uh, have the customer journey, uh, the client, you know, our client's customer journey, uh, as a focus of that strategy and, and layout strategy based on that journey. Um, and then we have uh, you know several different areas that we really focus on from a digital marketing perspective. So many of the things you just said, create you know, but it it generally always starts with content. You know, without content, you have nothing to advertise, you have nothing to optimize and so on. So uh, we do a content audit, we'll do a site audit, uh, we'll uh, do a lot of brainstorming, make recommendations, um, and then we'll really focus on, uh, you know, of course, getting the content there and then figuring out the best way and the best odds of optimizing it to get it to show up on page one of, of Google and then uh, uh, how to amplify or, or sp- you know, usually spend paid media to get the right content in front of the right audience. And, you know, and it's, it's a long-term strategy. It's none of this is, you know, try it out for 90 days. This is, you know, minimum of a one-year commitment generally to, if you're just getting started or you're not being successful at, at the moment, it usually takes that long. And we have all kinds of data to show our, we, we will share our average client stats. So not individual success stories, but our, uh, the stats for all of our clients bundled. And we can pretty much prove it's uh, six months. It takes about six months before you start seeing a nice upward tick. Uh, 12 months later, the uh, traffic's generally growing. And I'm talking now, of course, about organic. And then in two years, we can almost always uh, uh, more than double uh, a client's uh, traffic to their site and conversions. But you got to stick with the plan. Yeah, well, that's the hardest thing to get a client to do. (laughs) Yeah, execution is everything. You know, I'm asked a lot of times, you know, well, what's the silver bullet or what's the shortcut? Sir, surely you must know how to skip all this hard work, you know. And I tell them all, oh, there's there is no shortcut. But if I had to say there's, you know, one, one magic bullet, it is execution. Because, again, we, we study everything. We've got about 50, 60 clients and we can compare the ones that where this is working against the ones where it's not. And it always boils down to 
uh, prioritizing commitment and execution of the strategy. <laughs> yeah, like the you know, business. That's what business yeah. is like. You're like, oh, you know, it's real cool. Oh, you, you must be so awesome. You're the CEO of your own company, Arnie. Or they're like, Joel, you have a podcast. You have like 70,000 listeners. That must be so crazy. Look at all the cool people you have on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, dude. I mean, I wake up at 630. We rock. We plan. We record. We do multiple shows a day. Like if you came and, and paired with me for a day, the first thing you would say is, Oh my God, I didn't know you could work this much. I didn't know a person could work this much. Right. The second thing you'd say is why wow, you have the, like the most fantastic team. Right. And right. Then the third thing, they'd be like, this is not sexy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Right>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is repetitive, right. consistent. Yeah. 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 But it's fun. I love it. I love it. I, I love it too. And I really love seeing uh, the clients succeed, especially the, our, what I would call our mid-market clients. And we've got, yeah. you know, Fortune 500 clients for, you know, we work on a piece of, you know, Microsoft or Home Depot or whatever. And we're not really having, a, you know, obviously we hope we're having an impact on the business, but it's nothing that's going to change their stock price tomorrow. But yeah. if we can work with a, you know, 500 employee or a thousand employees or whatever, less than that, and literally see it changing lives and allowing them to uh, open more stores, add more employees and that, I just, that, uh, that's the reason to get up every day, you know, so. Oh yeah, I got yeah. to work on a really cool project. I did a uh, app for the largest law firm on earth. Oh and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and then they got hired to to handle the Equifax lawsuit. Hmm. So I was like, that was the they were using my software for the first time on that lawsuit, and I was like, that's really cool. I mean, that was like a seven month build, and like it was crazy like project, but it's really cool to sit back and like hear that that's the first thing it's getting used on. So, yeah, nice. So it's been a while since I've really been in the legal business. I did that years and years ago. Is the largest firm still based out of Chicago? Uh, the largest firm <laughs> by revenue, by revenue, right? Because uh-huh. they all yeah, have, they yeah. all pick their, it's like a, it's three, three billion, like 2.9 or 3 billion. Uh, it's called Latham Watkins or Latham Watkin. That's Washington DC maybe, right? Or, I don't know. They're, they world, they're all over the globe. Their CTO is in California. Oh, I know okay. that much. So you guys... Where, where are your clients sitting? Like, do you have a specific area where they tend to gather, like in legal or or some specific category? Well, we do a lot in the uh, higher education space. Uh, not necessarily intentional, um, but pretty much right out of the chute when we formed uh, Vertical Measures uh, 12 years ago. Actually, well, theoretically, we launched it as Vertical Measures 10 years ago in uh, 2008. Um, and education was one of the uh, clients we had then, a pretty large uh, company that had a lot of uh, different schools around the country. And it's just kind of rolled from there. We've probably worked on 50, 60 different schools, most of them public universities, some for smaller for-profit schools, but that'd be our probably our largest vertical it makes up but but even so it, it makes up maybe today uh 30 of our business and then the rest is pretty uh mixed all sorts of companies yeah yeah and most what i would call what i keep calling mid-market anyway a lot of companies most people have never heard of but some of them are doing a you know hundred hundreds of million uh, in revenue a year so what's what's getting you excited these days like with your business and like what's what's happening like what type of projects what what's the the thing that catches your eye or business that's really exciting for you well uh the passion and excitement for the agency at the moment is this is finally the year we're going to really do uh, uh 
a lot with video. Uh, so we're just, we're just making, we're just interviewing people right now. We're making an investment into all the technology we need uh, so we can do a good job uh, getting a, a producer on staff and all of that. So we're, we're pretty serious about it. So I'm excited because I've been saying that uh, this is the year of video for about four or five years now. Um, but this year we're putting our, our money behind it. Um, and also, we're, uh, I would say as a general thing that I, I'm trying to get um, uh, one of our clients and our, and our staff, I suppose, excited about. And even though we've been more or less doing this since our inception, um, just ch- kind of changing our terminology a little bit. And, and our focus is with all of our clients, we want to help them grow their own audience. Right. So uh, uh, much like you, you're building an audience. Right. And and I'm assuming somehow you probably own the audience as opposed to iTunes or, you know, however however your uh, podcasts are being distributed. But that's like our big emphasis. We've been really, really good at helping increase traffic and draw uh, and increase leads for clients. But we've we haven't really turned the conversation to say, and by the way, um, along the way, we need to really have you own as much of this audience for yourselves as you can, which pretty much boils down to we need to capture at least a name and an email address. It could get, you know, thinned out as much as saying, well, we just need them to get to your site so we can pixel them. So, you know, cooking them so we can follow them around the web. But to to really own it means basically, you know, what you've heard for decades, which is the money's in the list, but building your own list and just kind of changing that, that mindset uh, we've already seen really good engagement from our clients going, yeah, yeah, I want to own my audience instead of just, just saying, well, we're going to help increase you know, traffic or leads. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the more palatable way to say is you want a relationship with your customer. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or your prospect, right. or your prospective yeah, customer. Your prospect. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You want to be friends with them. Yeah. You want to engage. You want to them to engage with you. Yes. I'm just, I'm just softening it a little bit. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I, like I say, it's just, it's just really uh, changing how we're referring to it. It's not changing what we've done all along. It's just, and people and our clients just seem to be able to picture it better. Oh yeah. I want to own that audience, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. You mean to tell me that marketing and branding companies use new terminology to compete with <laughs> <for> business? <laughs> well, they try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have it with our show, what we've done and we don't, this is right now, this is a a fun project for us, but what we've done is we went around and talked with everybody, asked what they want to hear about the content they want to consume. We started making it and then every time someone reaches out, we're very accessible and engage them and we're always seeking to provide them value, answer their questions. I'm basically undercutting everyone who charges for advice by giving it for free Mm -hmm. and giving it out to people. And I, I have the the credentials to do so. Right. And then I bring the smart people on and we, we ask questions, do things like that. But what we found is, uh, recently this weekend, uh, I was thinking, oh, okay, everyone's telling each other about the show and that's how we're getting a lot of traffic. And that's how we got so many listens. And that was great. And then people, we, we do these clips, we clip really interesting parts and we give them to people and then they share them. And then we pick up on their audience because, you know, they're popular technologist or marketers or whoever. And we get a lot of traffic like that. A lot of new listeners like that. We don't have anything that we sell just so you know. Um, and what I noticed this weekend is I was looking through my analytics, which I hadn't been looking at at all on my website. And I saw that everyone's coming in or we're getting a lot of people come in from asking these questions, which like 
I'll just mention in one of my writings and they're there. It's crazy. So now I have this whole list of like 40 things that I need to make content for that I can tell people are looking for and they're coming to my site, but they really aren't getting super answers. It's just also mentioned in my content. So now I have some really intentional content to create that people are looking for. Right. Well, so let me see if I understand. So you're saying you, you have content on your site that has that question embedded in it somewhere and people are going to Google or some search engine and they're searching that question and they're winding up on that page. Is that, yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Yes. Then you're right. You're right. That would be my recommendation is create content. Probably with that as the title, the question is, the yeah. title. Well, right. see, everybody was linking to us because we were having big people on the show. So it gave our site a lot of weight yeah. for the oh, terms. Right. And when I, yeah. And then I took my, my whole book and I just made each chapter an article on the site mm-hmm. so that people, so I could, what I did was to make my book, uh, you're going to like this, Arnie. I wrote, I wrote all the chapters. I re, I took each one, made it a blog post, ran social ads at people with the job role that would have something to say about it. And then they all got to comment and, you know, went crazy, thousands of shares, comments, everything like that. And then I got to see what part of the content was needed more attention or people were more interested in. Then I went back into final editing, patched up my book. And now I know I have a solid book before it's even released. Right. No, that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we, we would uh, call that, uh, if we want to sound cool, we would call that ideation, but it's basically just good research. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good brainstorming and research. Yeah. So that that's what we did. And then in those writings in the book, you know, I ask questions and like there's little there's keywords that are matching for questions that it's it's just really interesting. I just never I hadn't looked. And so when I went and looked, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Now I can go make this unique content. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you the question. Sure. Uh co-founder, bootstrapped, you've done it before multiple times. You have Ten thousand dollars. You have an app. What are you gonna do? Uh, I gotta remember how you answered it, not your guest. No. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, you can make up the business. By the way, just so you know, you can change the business. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an app. Uh, oh yeah, okay. well, yeah, almost doesn't matter. I think um, like uh, <laughs> uh, product, service, app, whatever it is that you have that you think is the best thing on earth right now. Um, and actually when I talk to entrepreneurs, uh, one of the things I will tell them is, uh, you know, lots of people have started companies and lots of them have failed, uh, you know, reasonably quickly. I think all the stats would support that. And I think the biggest reason that this happens is, uh, they really do forget about the marketing piece, the sales and marketing piece. They just think, well, this is a great product I invented or created or whatever. And why, why wouldn't they be, you know, beat a path to my door and, and buy it? Um, so of course I would be clever about, or hopefully clever and a bit frugal about that 10 grand, but I would, I, I would always start by creating content. So mm-hmm. I, I can't necessarily put numbers behind this, but I would create as much of it as I could for as inexpensively as I can and make sure what you just talked about, uh, the questions that are being asked in my industry, uh, I'm answering on my website. Um, and, and, and it, I would, take whatever I would, I would take 90% of that budget maybe and, and spend it on creating as much content as pers- as possible, as many different pieces of content as possible, not one video. Um, and most likely that's going to wind up being a lot of written content with graphics, uh, you know, uh, images and graphics and so on throughout the content to make it nice and readable, but just publish as much as I can to become 
an authority wrapped around that app or that product or you know whatever it is that, that you're trying to launch um, so that people will find you uh, hopefully naturally in search engines like you just described. Uh, and then maybe, maybe look for uh, a, one of those pieces of content that seems to really be resonating and really getting some traffic and maybe skim off uh, you know, a thousand dollar, you know, 10% of that, um, 20, if maybe I can afford it, 20% of that and run, you know, again, I have no idea what this product or, or whatever it is that we're describing, but probably, uh, spend that money on probably Facebook ads because right now that's the lowest cost place and you can really target people there. Uh, and so if you know, you've got a piece of content that's working and it's resonating and now you want to amplify it a little bit on a channel, on another channel other than your site, odds are I'd probably choose Facebook and, and target those people. And that's probably how I try to get this kicked off. Love it. That's a great answer. Thanks. <laughs> I knew that was a big test. So I'm glad I passed. No, I just, it's, it's, it's really something that people can't fake. I, it's what we do is the reason why so many people listen to the podcast is, is not because it's a gotcha or anything like that is because when you're an expert, you love to share. And so I'm always prepared. Like I can go into any room ever and talk about any of the things I do. I'm fine. I just, it's who I am. So when I, when I find people on the show that can bring value, but like when you're an expert, like you are Arnie, people pay you like your company exists because you licensed mm -hmm. your expertise and then scaled it. Right? right. So when you have a, when you have a platform like you have and you have a business, like you can afford to come on a show and talk to us. And then the people listening, they're instantly validating you as an expert. Like, all right, this guy's smart. And then that just, you know, increases your reputation. Right. Well, you know, and, uh, People have asked me, you know, when I started Vertical Measures, how did it start? And I already told you I started it uh, out of a, you know, uh, office in our home. But, you know, and like you said in the beginning of our conversation about how, you know, if someone followed you every day to see how much work actually goes into this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in the beginning, and just for anybody who's listening, thinking about, well, if I only had 10 grand or whatever, well, I had more than 10 grand if I wanted to spend it. But how I launched Vertical Measures was every night I was writing blog posts for our blog. And in the beginning, you know, you know, nobody but your, in my case, my wife or maybe my mom was reading my blog post, right? I mean, yeah. it, it had zero traction, you know, uh, for the first month or two or whatever. But I, I, I would work all day long doing client work and trying to sell and close deals or whatever, but, you know, mostly the, the deliverables. And then at night, I would create content. And not taking money out of my pocket, I would write my own content. And I'm sure if I saw some of my, what I wrote 12 years ago, it'd be embarrassing today. But, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's how we got going. We uh, we knew what keywords we were going to target. We knew what questions we needed to answer. We knew the the niches we wanted to go after, and that's what we fo I focused writing content around until I could afford to hire someone else to help me write content. And we have never stopped. I mean, we're an agency that has thousands of pages and hundreds of, of educational pieces of content on our website. And we still publish uh, three every week. And we've been doing it for 10 years. Um, and uh, we get a ton of site traffic and a ton of leads every month as an agency. Speaking of 12-year-old content that you might be embarrassed about, our producer <laughs> yeah. has dug up. No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I would never do that, man. I love yeah. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is probably still out there. Yeah. Do you guys do white papers? Do you generate white paper content? 
Um, not a, I mean, something very, very similar. We, we do, and we actually created this thing called the hub and spoke model. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like when you asked me earlier, you know, to, like that told the actually even the answer to the 10 grand or whatever, but you know, companies that are really still struggling with this whole content marketing and all that, we recommend they follow this hub and spoke model. So the, the concept very quickly is you create a hub piece of content. So that could be a white paper, it could be a, an ebook, it could be a video training series, whatever it is, something of value that you can gate or you know ask someone for their name and their email uh, uh, address behind that. And then that's a hub. And typically we launch one as an agency we, uh, for ourselves, we launch one of those every uh, 90 days. And then for the three months following that launch, a lot of the content we create is all focused on pushing people back to this hub. So whether it's blog posts, the webinar I mentioned earlier, our newsletter, uh, any ads, you know, whatever we're doing, we're, we'll really try to uh, push that hub out. And then meanwhile, we're creating the next one. And we just do, we, and again, we've been doing it for years, which is why we have multiple hubs that, that people discover online. So again, long answer, but uh, we don't necessarily create white papers, probably more eBooks than anything else and probably uh, video training series. And th- those are, are what we create as a hub for our clients. It's, you know, whatever is going to work best for them. Some, some of our, uh, 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 clients are, are, are do a great job with a whole white paper series and, and some are better at video. So, so, so you actually, this is what you do to market your own business. Yeah. All of the time. So you, mm-hmm. you, what, can you give me an example of a hub? I'm just trying to wrap my head around uh, it. It might be like, right. I think the last one we did, and it, actually this is the cool part is I've gone from having to write all of my own blog posts to, I don't even know what we're publishing anymore. <laughs> so, and that's the goal, right? So, uh, oh, yeah. so you, know, I gotta, you know, there's two other people in charge of that today and uh, they're running with it. But I think the last one we did uh, was something like uh, the SEO uh, strategy and tactics for 2018. So nice. it, it's probably a 10, 15 page guide that would tell you uh, the very latest that we knew at the time of publishing as far as what would influence uh, rankings and, and uh, getting found on, on Google. And then you guys are just bringing people value. You create the spokes, drive it back at your free value. And then what's happening from there? Are they entering contact information to get this guide? Yeah, I mean, eventually, uh, the way this whole thing works, as you know, but yeah, you hopefully uh, somebody raises their hand somehow. They fill out a form or maybe, you know, we've got people that have, it's amazing. We'll, we'll go back and look at the data to see, you know, what kind of a profile becomes our client. And we see that, you know, they'll, they'll hit 30, 40, 50 pages of our site. They'll download three or four things. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see these patterns. But yeah, that's the whole idea is they're, they're hitting our site. They're starting to trust us. They think we know what we're talking about. They've actually learned from us, but they're in a situation where they just can't either, uh, they don't have the manpower or uh, you know, whatever the reason is, they can't do this themselves. So hopefully they raise their hand and say, you know, we think you're uh, an agency we want to learn more about and talk to and get a proposal from. And uh, that's ultimately how you end up with the client. Okay. So I, I'm like, this is Joel, me asking, like, we can even clip this part of the call. If you don't want to, we can clip this part of the call, but I, I, I want to know. So they enter the information, they download those 10, 15 page guide, you're educating, you're constantly providing them free advice, just value, 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 value. Yep. And then they reach out to you, um, which is like the best way to do it, right? Because then they're coming, it's always easier in business when someone comes to your door knowing that you're an expert, rather right. than you having to convince or sell someone on who you, everything. Yeah. So, because 
they're just easier clients. I get, that's how I run my app business. People just come to me through, I don't, I don't market it. People come to me through relationships, the, the relationships I have market it. And that's just how it goes. Yeah. But are you, are you, are you having any success like reaching out to those people from like, do you ever have like sales teams, like reach out to those people that are entering their information on the guide or do you just keep staying in front of them by emailing them more value, more value, more value? Oh uh, yeah. You, you don't have to clip this part. I'm happy to answer it. Um, we do have three salespeople, um, and both of those things happen. We, we would consistently nurture those leads through email. But if we do happen to spot that, let's just say somebody was in one of our the workshops that we taught, and then over the next two months, they've hit our site a bunch of times and downloaded a couple of things, uh, we will we have, we'll do well, one of maybe three different things, but uh, it, now we're going to we'll, uh, the sales team will, will identify that that uh, potential client, and they'll maybe even cut. Just go back to our video conversation. We might even do a very very personalized thirty or sixty second video to that person from that salesperson. We might send a, uh, a custom email, or we might literally pick up the phone. And just say, you know, we noticed you were in our workshop. We noticed you've downloaded, a, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy. Is there anything we can help you with? So we will do that yeah. kind of outreach as well. Yeah. Oh, man. Jake, we got a real expert here. I'm pumped, <laughs> Arnie. No, I mean, I like Thanks, that's, you. You roll how I roll, man. Like, that's just what I do. I'll yeah. do I'll do tw- 20 calls, due diligence calls, you know, just helping people out, giving information, you know, what I invest, what I not, and the you know, code reviews. I just constantly do stuff, provide people value, and then the business happens. Yeah. You know? yeah. We, we, uh, you know, it's kind of weird too, because we do a lot of paid media for clients, you know, pay-per-click, uh, social ads, yeah. uh, programmatic and all that. Uh, and we do it for ourselves because we, you know, we need to, we practice what we preach, but that is by far the smallest piece of our, our, our marketing budget is, is, is paid. Uh, everything, uh, you know, when 90% of our, whatever it is, I'm not sure it's 90, but the majority of our marketing budget is all going into content and optimizing it and having people find us. Um, and it, it, it works a lot. You know, we've grown from zero to 50. Um, so it, it seems to work. It's working. Uh, yeah, it works. And are you located in Texas? No, we're in Phoenix. That, no. Yeah. You're Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I actually have multiple friends out there. I have Dan Jaffe, who does Lawlytics, and uh, they are a legal software company that's doing really well. They have probably about the same amount of people as you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Pat Sullivan. Oh, like, Pat, formerly sure. Did- I've known Pat for decades. Yeah. Oh, you know Pat? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, he's got the, the Slack competitor, which I'm drawing a blank, so... I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> and actually, River, I, River. I have another friend who has a Slack competitor here in town too that I will not mention publicly, but uh, he's, I'm sure he's competing with Pat, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's two Slack. Yeah. Arizona, I've been noticing a lot of stuff coming out of Arizona. So there's a lot of smaller software companies here and actually quite a few uh, digital agencies too. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you probably heard of iCrossing and some of the others. They all started here in, in the Phoenix area, whether it was, you know, Scottsdale or, uh, Tempe or whatever, but yeah. I gotta know. Here's a t- here's a tough one for you. All right, okay. are you a fan of Elon Musk? I I don't know him that well. I mean, obviously, everybody about well, anybody in business probably knows of him, and I would yeah. say I'm a fan. Yeah, I've got some friends who aren't necessarily the biggest fans, but uh, I give the guy a lot of credit for just swinging for the fences. Who who do you geek out over? 
Like who's like really cool to you? <laughs> um, well, is my profile picture going to be on this podcast somewhere? They can figure out my That's age. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're oh, going to yeah. date me right now, but the first person who came to my mind is Bill Gates. <laughs> Bill Gates? Yeah. That's not that, – dude, Bill Gates is super cool, man. Well, and I've actually managed uh, in a, one of my previous businesses. I actually got to spend a little time with him, and so mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was cool. And I um, so got to know him just a little bit, and this is 20 years ago. Um, but I just think what, uh, you know, what he did, you know, business wise for the world is fantastic. And now what he's doing, uh, with what he's earned is also just really cool. And I will read his articles and, and, uh, I love his letter. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I still follow him, you know, from a maybe more youthful thing, um, that's a good one. That's a really yeah, good Bill, one. Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill, is all right, I'll stick with that. All right, you're giving me credit for that, dude. And Bill Gates yeah. isn't old, man. <laughs> Bill wow. Gates isn't old at all. Now I'm profiling you. <laughs> I'm 30, so well, I mean, well, okay, that's cool. But, but I grew up with my my dad, who's a programmer. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've been writing code since eight years old. Um, I've been yeah. just like yeah. really into the technology. So, man. Gates. I remember. I remember the day I got to see um, on on a recording. I got I, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs on the same stage. I had like popcorn. I was like, "Ooh, they're gonna fight." They were very <laughs> nice. Sadly, they were. Very, there was a little yeah. jabbing, a little jabbing. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. But yeah. it was. Um, if you read their stories and go back, the, have you read like Bill Gates' life story or anything like that? Um, I, I don't, if it, are you talking about a, even an autobiography or I, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall reading a book on his life story, but I know his life story because yeah. of all the years. I mean, I've literally, uh, literally got to spend a full day with just him, uh, here in Phoenix. Um, oh, nice. and a, another company I worked for way back when he came to visit a little software shop actually in Tucson. And, uh, you know, so I, I mean, I've followed him for years. So like, I do kind of know his story and, his, his dad, you know, lawyer out of Seattle and all that stuff. So, oh, uh, I know where so. it was. I was reading Malcolm Gladwell. Oh. he Malcolm Gladwell in one of his books about great people doing great things or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes into the, it's basically a, the book is just a series of backstories of like different, like life stories about from athletes. Like he found that um, based on the time of year that they were born determined how well they were because of what size and age they were when they went into the pro sports. And the different, <laughs> That's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, then he did Bill Gates and he's talking about like his parents. He happened to be at the, at the one private school that decided to buy a computer and he happened to get time leased on a mainframe over that summer. And then he happened to get this and they did the Linux guy or some other embedded systems guy. And, and it was so interesting that like they were at this individual that was so successful was at the only school right. like in the state that had a yeah. computer. Yeah, It's like, Oh man, your environment is so like tied to your ability to be successful. Yeah. 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 All right. If you could go back, um, sorry, I got way off track. I've never asked a guest that question before. If you go way (laughs) up, Elon Musk calls you up or no, I'm sorry. Bill Gates calls you up. Uh, he texts you. Hopefully you don't have an iPhone. That'd be super offensive. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) so he texts you up and, uh, he says, come over. I, Arnie, I got to show you this. He's got a time machine but it's, there's something wrong with it. it. can only go back 10 years ago to talk to your previous self. What, what advice would you give yourself? 
No, that's great. We actually ask every employee that when they get here, um, oh. and we publish it <laughs> uh, that's internally. Awesome. Yeah, internally. But um, uh, and, and most of the, most of them have a similar answer to this. Uh, and but mine, I know because I had, I wrote it, uh, wrote an uh, internal article about this actually fairly recently. But mine is uh, look more long term. Um, I've uh, you know I think if I go back you know. 20 years, 30 years, uh, I do think at times I feel like, oh, we got to get this done. And if we don't hurry up and get this done, not, not done, but I mean, if we don't capture this or, you know, make this move in the next two years, we'll be behind and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then the years go by and I realized, you know what, people still aren't here. <laughs> you know? um, and just having a much more long-term view of uh, everything from investments to growing the business to uh, changes in direction, whatever it might be, um, that's probably the one thing I would, I would do differently. Playing life in the, I play life in decades. And wh- yes. what made me get that perspective was having my daughter, and she's five months old now. Yep. But what happened was I started to realize right coming up on 30 that I have memories of when my dad was 30. Right. right? Cause I was like, I was like eight. And so I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I've got, I've got 20 years that's going to fly by me right now. Yep. So all I really need to do, and I've got, I've been working and writing code and been trying, like I've been, I work, man. Yeah. Like I work and I've been doing that for, you know, 15, 16 years now so hard. So all I really need to do is just keep pushing that work in the right direction. Those 20 years will fly by and I will be where I want to be. Yeah. Now I, what you just said is exactly what I was trying to say is looking at life as decades, as opposed to two or three year bites. Yeah. So you're pumped for the next decade then. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> right. I couldn't say no to that, but yes, yeah, of course right? I am. Yeah. yeah. Consumer behavior. I, you're right. Like we get all excited in technology and in business, but Consumer behavior definitely does lag behind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And actually, I would say, as I reflect on the last couple of businesses I've had, um, even this one, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, been a little bit more painful than it needed to be because I, I don't know how. I wouldn't say like I'm a super smart visionary or whatever, but I tended to be ahead of the curve. And mm-hmm. when you're ahead of the curve, you spend a lot of time educating. Right. You have to educate your audience, your clients and so on and so forth. And that's expensive and that's costly. And sometimes you just can't, you don't make it in, in those circumstances. Um, so that that's, you know, uh, uh, so anyway, so I, I, I think you got to, you know, if you can figure out right the sweet spot, when to make a change or do whatever and then stick with it. Uh, would be a, a lesson I have learned. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we actually had some interesting education stuff come up today about computer science. There's a, a big issue right now where, um, so like I hire technology, like programmers all the time, right. For my businesses mm-hmm. or people yeah. will ask me to hire them or whatever. Well, they, they'll come out of school, you know, four years of school, hundred grand in debt with a computer science degree and you can't do anything with them. Right. Yeah. Like they don't have, you have to go put them into an internship for two years so that they learn what actually happens. Then you can use them. Right. So it's real, it's real tough. So we were, I mean, it started out small. Like I would get a message here and a message there from a computer science student that would come across the podcast. Arnie, every day, multiple times a day now. 
Oh, yeah. every day. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? I need help. I need help. Like, <laughs> we're not learning what we need to learn. Like we're doing all these hello world, world projects. We're not actually learning stuff. And I've got every day, like my loans are, are, you know, they're, they're in their first year and a half. Right. And they, that's kind of when they're realizing it after a year and a half in of a four year program. Right. And they're like, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And so I'm kind of just, you know, go get an internship now right. outside of your school hours so that yeah. when you come out of school, um, you, you have a job. But then we, we were thinking, we actually came up with a couple of cool ideas of, of how we could um, change uh, what this, the teachers are doing. So what, what we're going to do now is we're going to go around and we're going to get some people that are running computer science departments at different reputable colleges. Cause I'm like, have a lot of local connections and at you know, UCF and, University of Texas and University of South Florida. So I'm going to go talk to some of the engineering professors there and kind of get their perspective and then potentially put together a, a solution for how we could get these kids more experience without having to change the curriculum and just add some value to their classes. So when we, when we do that, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you and say, Hey, like, this is what we're trying to do. Could you help us with that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a believer that in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we need to solve this problem. It's not fair yeah. that these kids, they don't know what they're doing. They're 18. They're told to go do this. They sign the dotted line. They don't understand debt at 18. They yeah. don't understand anything. And then and then they don't have the skills they need to make money. And it's and it's like, it's, it's, it's one thing to hear about it in passing. It's another thing to see those kids' faces like ask you every day, what do you do? Right. Well, you know, it goes back to how we almost started this uh, show off where I was saying that my biggest frustration probably is every day is how fast everything's changing and how much you have to constantly stay in front of it. Oh, and that's, that's the problem with any of our schools is that they're already, they're behind. I don't even know how to phrase this, but and, uh, it takes so long for them to produce curriculum and get it approved and get it into the schools by the time they do in the technology side. It's, it's too late. <laughs> You know, it's too late. Yeah. And they're just, uh, I've thought about solutions over the years. And of course I have to stay focused on the business I have. So I haven't ever acted on it, but, um, that is frustrating. It's I'm, you're right. all the frustration you expressed. I, I feel the same. And then for the marketing, do you guys do any technology companies? Um, well, we did Microsoft a little bit, uh, <laughs> as a technologist, yes. right. I have to say, if you could, any help with this would be great in the future. Maybe if you just give a talk on it or something. Um, all the marketing to me, because I pick, I hit all the qualifiers of an engineer and a programmer and whatever. It is so boring. Like, I just want somebody to do like a little something better than a 60 page science white paper of like, they need, they need to put more, I don't know, th this trend has started, Arnie, and like we need to find a way to end it. <laughs> if, if the opportunity ever comes up, just be like, yeah, like I, I would love to learn about an API from like a cool video or maybe just like a cool, like something that's not a boring white paper. Right. Well, I, I have a friend here in town who's uh, managed to help grow quite a few businesses and his passion right now is to get into the whole STEM thing with schools. And so oh, not, yeah. not in the higher end, but more in the high school, even, even uh, I guess, junior high level. And he's actually trying to raise some money right now. And if he does, then I'm going to probably uh, start helping him. But his whole thing is to, is to address your concerns 
by getting technology and, and uh, video and you know everything into the curriculum, so it just becomes a natural part of what they're doing. You know, um, yeah. and, you know the simplest example might be uh, getting to actually use PowerPoint, uh, but the other might be to be setting up their own uh, site and blog, and uh, you know, just understanding what is happening in today's world from a, a digital perspective, and again, trying to just work it right into the curriculum. Uh, so that's that's the approach he's he's taking to try to solve the problem. Yeah, actually, so I called one of my my friends after the after we were talking about the computer science problem this morning, and he told me that in our town we have USF um, college, and the couple of the companies were upset that there weren't digital marketing talent in our town. So what they did was they got together, they went to the college, and they actually spent like eight months, made a course. The college got a professor to teach the course, and now they hire out of the kids that attend that course. Right. Yeah. Well, my the Bill Gate years I was talking about, I actually uh, did exactly that with the University of Phoenix. We, we wow. took Microsoft's uh, uh, curriculum. We, we were a technology uh, business I had in the 90s was a technical training center. So we were teaching people. Uh, you know how to how to write code, how to do you know uh, software development, how to support networks. A lot, a lot of actually, all the CTOs that are listening, all the people you're hiring uh, that have Microsoft certifications and uh, all that, you know, whatever uh, Oracle and so on and so forth. That's what we taught. And one of uh, a guy who I've uh, actually stayed friends with ever since uh, came to me from the University of Phoenix and asked if there was a way we could integrate our curriculum into theirs. So that people could get a degree, but have this and have these certifications uh, as well, and give credit for them. And so we actually, uh, in the '90s, uh, built all that uh, for the University of Phoenix. Wow! Yeah, that's amazing. So they would actually like do do real work and then get credit for the real work. And now all of a sudden, that piece of paper kind of means something. Exactly. Right. Yeah, imagine showing up with your computer science degree backed by, you know, six certificates of Microsoft, you know, whatever. I don't even remember what they're called anymore, but Microsoft certified something, you know, developer, Microsoft certified network support person or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. That, that made all the difference. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. if you know, if you know, they passed the MCSE course, you know exactly what they know. There you go. MCSE. That's what it was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, dude, I was taking the, I had the MCSE in front of me at age 11 and I was, or I, I was so upset. I was like, why do I need to know whatever the version was like the, in, in the MCSE, if you, if 95 was the most recent operating system, they would quiz you about the three OS before that. And I'm like, I don't need to know about printer drivers, three operating system before that. I don't have that computer. <laughs> right. They would, they would backport at multiple versions. I was like, oh, this is 11 volumes of these 500 page book. It was crazy. Yep. And that was my yeah. childhood. Right. There you go. <laughs> that's why you are where you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been a fantastic call, Arnie. I really Absolutely. appreciate your time. Oh, you bet, Joel. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.